Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. You know, children can be downright cruel at times. He was uh, just a boy. He didn't fit in. Wasn't very athletic. In fact, he was downright clumsy. Couldn't throw, couldn't catch, couldn't hit, couldn't run very fast. Wasn't musical. In fact, he flunked out of the children's choir. That's, that's pretty bad. He, he wasn't artistic, couldn't even draw a stick figure. He wasn't funny, wasn't clever, he wasn't engaging, he wasn't witty. But he did have strange hair. He was, how do you say it? Just not real attractive. He was the shortest in his entire class. Even the girls were taller than he was. And you know, kids can be cruel. Some of you are dialing back and remembering some of those cruelties. They consistently reminded him of his shortcomings. They consistently called him shorty and peewee and short stack and uh, runt, half pint, you pick your... Their favorites were runt and peewee. You know, runt is the smallest and the weakest puppy in the litter. And that's who he was. You know, something about children is that very early in life, they learn what scapegoating is. They learn how to take one person, single one person out of the group and cast all of the blame on that one person. They become the sacrificial goat. He was the scapegoat of his class. He was always picked last for any game that they had. He was the brunt of every joke. He was the one that was blamed for anything that went wrong in his class. And the truth of the matter is he hated himself. He hated his status in life. And he was angry. He didn't fit in. He felt rejected, he felt unwanted, he felt worthless, he felt full of shame and anger and resentment. He felt like an outsider, unwanted, an outcast. Children can be cruel. One day, he had had enough. And he decided, he may, in fact, he, he vowed that he would get revenge on everyone who had mistreated him. He wasn't sure how he would do it, but vengeance was on his mind. He needed a plan. He knew that he couldn't do it physically. There had to be some way that he could get even. There be, had to be some way that he could work his plan of vengeance. And so 
instead of playing games that were fruitless anyway, with all of his friends, he decided that he would study. And so all of his spare time was spent studying his subjects. And he found out he was pretty good in all of his subjects. In fact, in time, he rose to the very top of his class. But the one thing that he was especially good at was numbers. He had the ability to work with numbers like no one in his class. In fact, over time, this young boy realized that his ability with numbers was as great as any adult in the entire town that he grew up in. And so he understood that numbers could be his ticket to making himself bigger than anyone else. So as he grew up, he would go to the town square and he would watch people. He would just sit somewhere and he would watch people. And he was looking for those who were highly successful people so that he could model his life after them. In time, he began to become particularly curious about the tax collectors, the people who worked with the money. One of the things he noticed was that even the richest people had to pay taxes at the tax booth. He noticed that as people went to the tax booth to pay their, their taxes, they were unhappy. But he also noticed that when they left the tax, tax booth, they were furious. He chuckled to himself. He said, the only ones that seem to be happy are the tax collectors. So he began to work his plan of vengeance. He said, I will become a tax collector one day. He continued doing well in school. In time, he became old enough to get a job. And so he applied to be a tax collector. They said, you're gonna need to take a test. He took a test and sure enough, he scored as high as anyone had ever scored on the test. The people were impressed. They said, you are now a tax collector. Got his own tax booth, began to be a tax collector. Now, the fact was that he was despised by everyone in Jericho because he worked for the Romans who were the occupiers. But you know, it really didn't bother him all that much that people despised him. Because the truth of the matter is, all of his life, he had been despised. All of his life, he had been rejected. All of his life, he had been a misfit, unwanted, didn't fit in. So it didn't really bother him that people treated him with disgust. So he began to work. Years and months and years began to go by and he realized there were more benefits to this job than he at first had realized. 
And so he found that there were certain fees that he could charge. And those fees that he charged could accrue to his own personal account. In time, he became exceedingly wealthy. He would come in early, he'd stay late. And when his supervisors would check his work, it was impeccable. There was never a mistake. His accounting was always perfect. In time, he rose to the position of supervisor. And so he was the one overseeing people. All of his supervisors says, this guy is the rising star in the tax world. I'm not sure you want to be the rising star in the tax world, but this man was. It didn't take him long before he became one of the chief tax collectors. He had a sizable region in all of Jericho, which meant that not only did he get to charge certain fees at his booth, but now he was over a large area and he got to take fees from each booth that he oversaw. In time, he was one of the wealthiest men in all of Jericho. He had become a big man. He had become all that he ever dreamed. In fact, he said, I'm gonna build the biggest house that's ever been built in Jericho so that people will recognize who I am, what I'm about, and it will command respect. And so he did. He built the biggest house complete with servants whom he could boss around. He imported the finest furniture from all around. The townspeople watched as this huge mansion was built and these fine imported furniture pieces would come in and they became angrier and angrier because they knew that that house had been built with their taxes. This man was the most despised man in all of Jericho. Interestingly, he now had his revenge. He was now finally somebody. He had now shown them he had gotten his revenge, but he had never been more empty in all of his life. He still felt lifeless. Do you know what it feels like to feel lifeless? Void of purpose. He felt unfulfilled, unsatisfied with every new account, more monies that came his way. One day, he was sitting at his tax booth and he was watching the people and he heard considerable noise on the south end of town. And a man came to his booth and said, there's been a miracle. He said, what happened? He said, this blind man, you know, the one who sits by the side of the road, he has been healed. 
In the conference, he said, well, who, who was it? Who healed this man? And he said, it's Jesus, the great prophet from Nazareth. He, he's, he's healed this man. When the tax collector heard the name Jesus, there were things attached to that name that he was familiar with, that he had heard, that he was aware of. He had heard of this man, of Jesus of Nazareth. He had heard how people had been healed, how people had been fed, thousands of people fed with just a few fish, loaves of bread. He, heard, he had heard of how people had been set free from demons, depression, despair. He had heard how that this man, Jesus, had raised people from the dead. How this man had given people new life, had changed people's entire lives. He thought, man, this Jesus must be an amazing, amazing man. Man, if I could only see him, I, I would love to see Jesus. Well, he heard the crowd coming near toward the center of town where he was located. And he knew that it would be difficult to see Jesus because he was short of stature and most of the people were taller than him. And so he thought, well, I, how am I gonna see Jesus? And an idea came to his mind. I will run ahead of the crowd before they get here and I will climb up in a tree where I can see Jesus when he passes by. And so he did. He ran, got crawled up in a tree and he waited for Jesus to come. What? happened next surprised everybody. Jesus came into sight and it was hard to see him anyway because he was surrounded by a sea of people. But it was clear who Jesus was because the attention of the whole crowd was on him. All eyes were focused on Jesus. And Jesus neared the tree and he slowed down and he looked up in the tree with compassion on the despised, rejected tax collector. And Jesus said these words, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. God bless you. For I must come to your house. Jesus extended, and he invited himself and he accepted his invitation. Yep, Zacchaeus. The man in the tree. See, Jesus was inviting him to come down from where he was to become who God had created him to be. Can I tell you, Jesus is still calling us, come down from your tree. I want to come into your home. 
And so in front of the crowd there in Jericho, Jesus is calling the most despised man in all of Jericho to come down. The name Zacchaeus. Does anyone know what Zacchaeus' name means? It means righteous one, pure one. In the, in the earshot of all the crowd, Jesus is saying, righteous one, pure one, come out of that tree. I want to visit you. And so Zacchaeus didn't hesitate. He slid down the tree and began to lead Jesus and his disciples to his house. Can I say this? Jesus always sees our potential and our kingdom calling long before we do. And so the, the journey continues and the rest of the disciples or with Jesus there in Jericho, heading to Zacchaeus' house. But what about the crowd? The crowd is stunned. They, they couldn't believe that this prophet who had so much authority and power and love and compassion would pour it out on this guy, the thief, the one who had built everything he had on the backs of all of their money. So we're at Zacchaeus' house and Jesus is there with his group of disciples. It's a little bit afternoon and people are beginning to be hungry. It's been a long day already. They've already seen a blind man healed and now they're dealing with this tax collector. They're in his opulent home. And I can just see Zacchaeus sending his servants to feed these guys Oh, the blind man came too. Let's get a bath poured for him and some clothes that fit him really well. And you've got this hodgepodge of Jesus, his disciples, a blind man and a tax collector. Sounds like the making of a joke, doesn't it? <laughs> and they're all together in this room and they begin to eat. The food comes out, they're eating, they're drinking, they're laughing. They're telling stories. They're having conversation. And after the meal, it's the time of the day where people in Jericho stay in during the heat of the day. Kind of a, a siesta type of deal. They're, they're inside and they're, they're relaxed. They're full. And Jesus is the center of attention. All eyes are upon Jesus. As the afternoon passes, Jesus begins to speak about the kingdom of God. He speaks of how God has been at work in all kinds of people's lives. He tells the stories of his encounters with people here on planet Earth. He tells about the promise that God made to Father Abraham 15, no longer than that, 2,000 years earlier and how he, Jesus, was the fulfillment of that 
promise. And all eyes became wide open because they knew exactly what he was talking about. He tells about the power of God. And he points to the guy who's blind at one time just hours earlier who is now dressed and seeing and engaging in the conversation. He says, this is the kind of stuff that my father does. The father has come to destroy the works of the devil and to pour out the good works of the father. And so Zacchaeus, I can imagine him just sitting there quietly listening to Jesus. And finally, he stands up in front of Jesus. His heart is cut to the core. He has been with the most holy man who's ever, ever graced this earth, but yet the most compassionate and welcoming person sent from heaven. And Zacchaeus stands up, head slightly bowed. He says, Lord, here and now, I give half, half of everything I have to the poor. Let that sink in. And those people that I have robbed and taken from illegitimately, I give them four times as much as I took. Jesus says this to Zacchaeus. Today, this day, salvation has come to this house. That word salvation, soterio or soterion, is the root word of that is sozo. Today, salvation, rescue, saved, healed, delivered, made whole freedom has come to your household, Zacchaeus. And he says, because of this man, because this man, Zacchaeus, is now a son of Abraham. Do you know how absolutely repulsive that would have been to the people there to say, this guy is in the family of God? He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. All Zacchaeus could do was weep. His servants were weeping. Everybody was weeping. They had witnessed a miracle. I imagine that later that afternoon, Jesus and his group prepared to leave. And Jesus put his hand on Zacchaeus' head and said, Father, bless him as he goes about his business, paying back all that he has done. And then I, I can imagine that Jesus and his followers gathered around Zacchaeus and they had a big old hug fest. There's power in an embrace. Can I get an amen? Some of you encountered it firsthand a couple of weeks ago. And as they began to hug him and let him know, you're accepted, you belong. You are part of the family of God. You're a son of Abraham. The king of kings and Lord of lords has stepped into your life and transformed everything in a moment. Zacchaeus had never been hugged like that before in all of his life. And that, my friends, 
is how you receive freedom from rejection, freedom from bitterness, freedom from resentment, and freedom from whatever pain you're carrying. You know, we have a lot of formulas, a lot of ideas, a lot of things, how you get free. The title of this message is Freedom from Rejection. Can I tell you, we're going to give you a one step. The freedom from rejection is Jesus. When you encounter Jesus face to face and say, Lord Jesus, I surrender all. You know the old song, I all to thee, Jesus, I surrender. I all to you, I freely give. I surrender all. See, we, we've looked at We've heard the story in a way you've probably not heard it. I want us to look very quickly at what the scripture says, how the scripture tells the story. But let's, uh, let's take a look at that in Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. It says this, that... Have we got it up over? Have we got it up? Okay, let's, let's put it on. It says that Jesus entered Jericho. Let me, let me say it this way first. A little background. A little background. Jesus tells his disciples they're in chapter 18 and 19, they're on their way to Jerusalem. And Jesus will be crucified. In fact, in uh, verse, in chapter 18, verse um, 33, 32, and 33, it says this. Jesus is telling them, he says, we're going to Jerusalem. Everything that's been written by the prophets about the Son of God will be fulfilled. Son of man will be fulfilled. He's gonna be delivered up to the Gentiles. They're gonna mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, kill him, and on the third day, he will rise again. But the disciples did not understand any of this for it was hidden from them. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And he stops. The first stop is with a, the rich young ruler. We had looked at that a few weeks ago. He's rich, young ruler, got it all going on. And he asked Jesus the question from the wrong tree. He says, what must I do, right? To inherit eternal. He's, he's saying, what do what I have to do? And Jesus tells him, it's not about what you do. It's about surrender to me. And then we see he comes, the, the next part at the, at the very end of chapter 18, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he comes, he approaches Jerusalem, Jericho and he encounters a blind man by the side of the road and he heals the blind man. And the scripture says that the blind man, listen to this, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And all the people saw it and praised God. You can read that and go, yeah, he became a follower of Jesus. I believe he followed, literally, he's in Jerusalem. I believe he just literally just kept on going right to Zacchaeus' house. He followed him. That's that's the setting of this miracle. Now, let's take a look at it itself. In, in Luke 19, it says, Jesus entered Jericho, was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. 
He was a tax, chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. And, and the NIT says it this way. You, you know what the NIT is? That's the, the New Irish translation. It, it says he wanted to see Jesus, but because he was a, a wee little man. How many of you, you went to Sunday school and you learned that song? Zacchaeus was a, a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He, he climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in that tree and he said, I'm going to your house today. I'm going to... Some of y'all are going, I have no idea what's going on here right now. This could be a cult group. I have to check. have to check with your, the person who invited you. You remember the little, the little Sunday school song? Zacchaeus was the wee little man. And so that's what's happening. And so he comes in and he sees him and he climbs up in a sycamore tree. Interesting thing. A sycamore tree is a, was a sacred tree of that day. You know, a lot of times we try to encounter God in all kinds of ways and we find ourselves up in a tree. The problem is the tree we usually climb is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's the chief tree of all religion. And it's not till Jesus passed by that we meet the tree of life. Okay, some of y'all thought, I knew you'd throw that in there. Let's look at it. So he goes, says, when Jesus reached the spot in verse five, he said, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. So he came down once and welcomed him gladly. And the people began to mutter. That's not good. He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. Can I tell you this? Jesus will always scandalize a crowd. Always. His offer today still scandalizes. Well, I don't know. Can I tell you, Jesus came for all people. And not the cleaned up kind, not the ones who got it all together. He comes for the tax collectors. He comes for the rich young rulers. He comes for the lepers. He comes for all of us. And so Jesus comes into the scene and it says, Zacchaeus stood up and said to him, see, it skips all the part that I added in there. But he says, look, Lord, and now I give half my possessions to the poor and I've cheated anybody. I pay four times the amount and listen to this. Jesus said, and I'm gonna ask that the team would come on back in, the worship team. The last two verses, verse nine and 10. Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, I want us to, to look at just a couple of thoughts here. When, when we look at this deal, I, I believe I believe there's three things, three things that just hop out at me. The first thing was, what is Jesus offering? He says, salvation's come to your house. I'm gonna bring freedom. I'm gonna bring hope. I'm gonna bring life. I'm gonna bring rescue. You're gonna be free from your rejection today. 
You're going to be free from your resentment today. You're going to be, and he goes on, he says, he says, what, what was lost? He came to seek. He, I mean, he's after us, right? You know, there's a book written many years ago called The God Chasers. Can I tell you what? It's the Jesus, Jesus is chasing us. He's looking for us. Any chase you got in you is because he put it in you. Thank you, Joe. And so Jesus, Jesus is saying that which was lost, you know what's lost in this picture? Yeah, it's, it's who's lost, but what's lost. I think you find that in the person of Zacchaeus. What does Zacchaeus' name mean? Righteous one. He's saying, listen, your identity is lost. You don't know that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, in me, you're the righteousness of God. Your whole identity changes. What does he say? It's, it's the pure one. You know what he's saying? Not only does your identity change when you encounter Jesus, your innocence returns. Identity and innocence, that's what Jesus comes to give us back. He's saying in one encounter, your whole identity, you become a new creation. The old is past. Behold, all has become brand new. That's what he's saying. You're innocent. You're refreshed. Well, I don't know. You just don't know all the things. You know what? When Zacchaeus realized it, he could not do enough, like the rich young ruler, you know, what did I do? I kept all these rules and all that. And Zacchaeus went, I just, I give up. I give all my money away. I give whatever. I, I need freedom. At that point, Jesus says, I made a way for you to have your freedom. And he says, lastly, I want you to see this. He says, this is how that comes about. We're, we're about, we love. How, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? <laughs> what do I need, can I tell you what you need to do? I, I would guess that part of the conversation at Zacchaeus' house went like this. Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God. He says, listen, I want y'all to understand this. All of the blind guy, Jesus is saying, he says, the time has come now. The kingdom of God is in your midst. The king is sitting here talking to you right now in Jesus. And he says, you're going to have to change your whole way of thinking. You're going to have to repent. You're going to have to align your way of thinking with mine. And I say that you are good and restored because of what Jesus will do at Calvary and has done at Calvary for us to make us whole, to restore us, to take care of our sin issue and make us the people God created us to be. And he says, but here's the deal. You can get it in your head, right? But it's until you act in faith, until you believe, until you trust, it will not be activated. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to see that activated in you. I'm going to invite uh, our ministry people to come forward up here. And maybe you're here this morning and you need to simply say, I'm aligning with you, Jesus. See, here's the enemy's, here's the enemy's strategy. Here's, here's the enemy's plan. Here's, here's his formula for life, if you will. His formula is, 
my performance plus the opinions of others equals my self-worth or value. Did you hear me? Most of us are playing this game of if I perform well enough, if I do enough, if I try hard enough, if I become more successful, and if the right people think highly of me, then man, I'm, I'm good. Can I tell you what God's formula is? Those of you take notes, you wanna write this down. God's formula is this. Jesus plus nothing. It's saying, Jesus, you're my only hope. And some of you here today, you need to just come on forward and say, hey, I'm, I'm all in. I'm, I wanna follow Jesus. But some of you here today, you just need to come and get prayer. You need to say, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been struggling with this thing of re rejection. I wanna, I wanna put, a, I wanna put a, a sword through that thing today, a stake in the heart of it today. See, rejection doesn't always look like seeking revenge. I believe there's, there's some of us here today that, that really rejection has caused us to be people pleasers. And so we're, we're open to this and we get so beat up because we're so easily manipulated because we're people pleasers. Maybe you need to come and just lay that down at the cross and say, man, please pray for me. I wanna be free. Maybe you're here today. Another thing is you just avoidance, man. When you feel rejection, you just... You know, you just avoid people, things, places. Sometimes it, it looks like control. I'm gonna control my whole world so that I don't get rejected. And sometimes it's just flat out depression. You know, I, I just, the result of a repressed, pent-up anger. Whatever, whatever it is that God's speaking to you this morning. I want us just to stand together. And I just want to say this as, as simply as I can. Jesus is inviting you down from your tree because he wants to come and reside in your heart. Scripture says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, any woman will hear my voice and open that door. I will come in and dine with you, have supper with you, have fellowship with you. Maybe you just need to open your heart up and receive Jesus or to receive freedom this morning. Lord Jesus, we just surrender to you right now afresh. And I pray God that, that uh, we would take the step forward in faith to trust you as never before this morning and receive our freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Come and respond as the Lord leads you.